0: It's powerful. You feel loved. You feel included. You feel special. You feel important. And the opposite is true as well. When you're not invited, you feel overlooked. You feel unimportant. You feel like, oh, I I don't know if, if anybody cares about me. So, you know, the good news of the gospel is is that the God of the Bible is the God who is an inviter. He's the God of invitations. Jesus Christ is inviting you to participate, to enjoy, and to share life with God together. This morning I'm looking at John chapter 6, one of the great stories in Scripture. It actually, it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And isn't it interesting that God and his sovereignty would see to it that this story is in all four Gospels? It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, and it's in John. But here's an interesting tidbit. There's a little nuance. There's a variable in the Gospel of John. John includes, unlike the other three Gospels, John includes the story of the little boy and his participation in the miracle. Now, before I read the story, What are miracles about? Why, why, why? And what is is the purpose of miracles? Maybe think of this. It's an expression. Miracles are expressions of God's dream for our world. God dreams that there would be no sickness, no storms, no evil, no death. And so when Jesus comes to earth, his kingdom, his rule his reign, when he performs a miracle, he's he's helping us to see this is actually the way God intends life to be, without suffering, right? Without sickness, without hunger. But miracles are also expressions of God's love, God's grace. And so when we see him care for the hurting and the suffering and the sick, and when we see him deliver the demon possessed, and we see him feed the hungry... We're seeing a glimpse into the heart of God that he, he cares about people. He wants hurting people helped. He wants lost people found, people far from God to come home. So the purpose of miracles are the expressions of God. I think there's another purpose of the miracles of Jesus. They are expressions of God's authority. They remind us that God has power to still a storm, to take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000 men. And there's probably seven or 8,000 people there with women and children. That God has ultimate authority over nature, over suffering and illness and evil and death. And he conquered it on the cross to prove that he was all powerful when he rose from the dead. So are you ready? Grab your Bibles, John chapter six. Let's read the story beginning in verse five. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people? What a question. Now look at verse six. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, here's a little boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down. Five thousand men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets, with the broken pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Wow. So what are we going to do with this story? I just am so anticipatory. I'm so excited. God really met me in this story in John 6 this week, really spoke to me before I'm speaking to you. He dealt with my heart uh, and and I'm going to share about that today three reflections from this story. Number one, we must figure out what Jesus is doing and partner with him. We must, followers of Jesus, it's our responsibility if we're following Jesus to find out, to figure out where's God working? What does God want to do here on earth? And then we join him, we partner with him. That was one of the, I guess, the big idea out of that book, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. If you haven't read it, it's, it's really worth going back and grabbing a copy of that because it moves you to a place of really having your spiritual antenna up. Where is God working and moving? What does God want done on this earth? And how can I join him and partner with him? Well, isn't it interesting that Jesus looks at one of his disciples, the guy named Philip, and he says, well, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, there was 5,000 men around them. And Jesus asked, where should we buy bread? And then verse six is really important. It says that he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. In the message, Eugene Peterson writes it this way. He says, He said this to stretch Philip's faith. Now, I want you just to sit in that for a moment. Philip, you can tell by his response the kind of person he is. He's the cynical one. He's the one who analyzes everything. He's the one who isn't an initial embracer of an idea. He's a resistor. He he's, he's cynical. He's pulling out his Excel spreadsheet and his calculator and, and listen to his response. It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one. How does he know that? Because that's the way his mind works. Some people are just wired that way. You know who you are. Some of my close friends are that way. And they, they you, you can't help yourself. You just kind of stumble over, you're, you're wired that way, and your mind is resistant. Your mind is cynical to new ideas, new initiatives. The possibility that God might be doing a new thing that's going to require you to stretch, to shift, to change. Some of us need our faith stretched. You know, he said this to stretch Philip's faith. I'm wondering if there's somebody watching right now, listening right now, God's testing you in this moment. He wants to do something amazing in you and through you, but you're stuck. You're stuck in cynicism, in that kind of closed mindset. It's all about the numbers. It's all about analytics. This is stupid, crazy, impossible, foolish. Look at the numbers. They don't lie. You've heard yourself say it. Verse 9 says that there was another disciple. His name was Andrew. He decides to chime in. He says, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Stop. Pause. What? There's 5,000 men around him. And he's going, hey, we got a little lunch. can we fight? And I almost feel like you—you you don't know the sentiment or 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 the mood or the feeling. But I feel like maybe there's sarcasm in Andrew. Like, good luck. Hey, here's here's a guy with a little a little wee lad with five small barley loaves and two fish. Yeah, like this isn't going to happen, Jesus. Both of these disciples—sarcastic, cynical, resistant, naysayer—they're not on board. So what happens? There's no faith. There's no spiritual antenna tuned into what Jesus is doing. They're focused on the mountain instead of the mountain mover. And that's some of us today, right here in real time. Some of us get so focused on the challenge, the immensity of the problem, the giant in front of us. But we serve a giant slayer. We serve a God who moves mountains and with God, nothing is impossible. And so Jesus says, have the people sit down. What? Wait, did you not hear the two disciples? They're saying this ain't going to happen. Jesus says, have the people sit down. What is God up to? What is Jesus up to in this moment, right? Don't miss it. Right now, I want you to sit down where you are. And listen, we are invited to pay attention Together, to figure out where God is at work in our community, in our church, in our world. And together, be willing to make sacrifices. Be willing to take what He's given us, entrusted to us, and share it, and live beyond ourselves to serve our community, and and and, and to give generously, and to love well. So, the first point, the first reflection is, I want to, call you to prayer, daily prayer. God, where are you moving? Where are you working? Where do you want this church, Ocean Hills, to be in the next 10 years, 20 years? And how do you want me to be a part of it? How can I help provide for it? How can I help serve? How can I help invite? How can I help work with kids? How can I help give generously? Are you with me? God, where are you working? Who do you want to reach? How have you uniquely positioned this church? to reach Santa Barbara. Second reflection, is this a miracle of how or of who? Is this a miracle about how many people Jesus fed? Or is this a miracle about who he used to participate in the miracle? I love that phrase, notice what you notice. You know what I noticed? Who Jesus is surrounded by, right? Who's in closest proximity to him? Leaders. 12 disciples, right? He could have used any of them, but he chooses to use a little boy instead. A little boy, the one who is least likely, who would seem to all of us is unqualified. It's the one who probably feels most insignificant and inadequate. The ones so like you and me. Isn't that where we live? Like God wants to use me and I'm going, I don't have what it takes. And you feel that. I know so many of you feel that, whether it be leading a small group, working with kids, contributing out of your God-given resources. You're like, I, I, it's so small. I'm so small. I'm so young. I'm... What do we see here? Jesus chooses to use a little boy. Don't miss this. This story is about the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus. Not over a storm, not over sickness, not over nature. This story is about the authority of Jesus over you and over me. That's what this story is about. So the question I want to ask you is, have you given him authority over your life? Are you standing under His authority and the authority of His Word? Have you given Jesus authority over your career, over your kids? Have you given Jesus authority over your future, over your retirement, over your college experience? Have you given Jesus authority over your finances? Over your relationships? That's the question here. Now, I want to just kind of pivot or shift a little bit, and I want to ask you to use your imagination. You might even want to close your eyes. Imagine this scene. Jesus, he in this moment he walks over to the little boy and and he reaches into his knapsack and he and he digs in there and and and, and he finds five soggy wet, small barley loaves and, and they're also stinky because there's a couple of fish in that knapsack as well. And he pulls them out and then he looks at the little boy and he looks him in the eye and I just want you to imagine this and I want you to imagine you're that little boy, he winks at him. He winks at the little boy with the biggest smile on his face, Jesus does. And then what does he do? He breaks the bread. And as he breaks the bread in two, that little small barley loaf, when he breaks it, it becomes larger in his hands. It becomes bigger in his hands, bigger than the original loaf that the little boy gave him. It becomes bigger in his hands as he distributes it. Now, I want you to imagine with me Jesus smiling, as he keeps breaking the loaves and breaking the bread. And what's happening? He's smiling and he's looking down at the boy. He's looking down down at him with this smile. And what does he say to the boy? We're partners. We're teammates. He keeps breaking, we're a team. Hey, we're a team and he's just smiling at him. Now just stay in that moment. That is so powerful. When we offer Jesus what he's entrusted to us, the resources he's given us, he's smiling at us and winking at us going, we're a team, we're in it together. We're partnering to change the world. Thank you for participating. Thank you for for being willing to trust me thank you. And he just keeps breaking the bread and distributing it. What we put in God's hands, what we surrender into God's hands, God can stretch. I want you to hear that. That's what he does with this little boy. Now, we don't even know what happens to the little boy. The gospels, they don't tell us. Scripture doesn't tell us what happens to that boy. We don't know, but I know what happened to me. I know what happened in my life. When I sacrificed and I surrendered my life to be God's partner and on God's team, the hardest decision of my life was to let go of control. The hardest decision of my life was to give up. When I graduated from Cal State Hayward as a recreation major, my dad gave me a trip around the world plane ticket. Said, I know you're gonna, you're gonna go take a year and go see the world. That's what I wanted to do, and he he blessed me with that. He said, I'll, I'll I'll get you your ticket, and then God intervened, and I was invited to go live and serve in the church in Mexico City. And I wrestled, and I'm like, nope. When I when I was the, when I was invited to do this, no, I got my trip around the world. I'm not going to Mexico. And I wrestled and I wrestled and I was defensive and I was just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And it was hard. But I relinquished control, I let go of my future and I said, I'm willing, God. I'm willing. And I had to raise support. That's what missionaries do. I, I had to raise $75 a month. That's what I lived on in Mexico City. I lived with a family. And I, and I lived on seven. And I saw God multiply even that. People supported and were generous with me. And, and then I saw God just move in a powerful way, unleashing his grace and truth through me to help bring salvation and transformation in the lives of young people, and students, and families in Mexico City. And you know, I met Natalie in Mexico City, my future wife, 38 years we've been married. I met her in Mexico City. The hardest decision I ever made was that decision. And it ended up being the best decision I ever made, letting go of control, surrendering and saying, Jesus, you've given me this one life i put it in your hands my resources my time my future everything in your hands and and he took it and he multiplied it and i'll never forget there was this old missionary bob and sig nelson this couple and bob i told him this story about giving up my trip around the world and i said it was really hard but i felt like it was a spiritual choice in my life to put jesus in the center of my life and first and i said but man It was really hard. And this is what he said to me. He said, it will not surprise me one bit if I see you down the road several years and you tell me that God has blessed your life and that he has graced you with the ability and the capability to see the world. That's what he said. In fact, I wrote it in my notes. He said, I'll bet God will make a way for you to travel all over the world. That was 40 years ago. I sit here today. I've been in 60 different countries. God has blessed my life. And I, I actually reach back and I go, I believe that God honored that sacrifice, that decision. It didn't happen the next week, the next year. Sometimes God's smile, God's provision, God's blessing happens over time. But when we put God first, when we take what he's given to us and put it back in his hands, like this little boy in this story, and then we watch him bless and multiply and reach more people and have a greater impact. It's so powerful to get to be part of a miracle. And I just know that this little boy in John chapter six, I don't know, but I do know he was never, ever the same after that moment. I just believe that in conversations with family and friends, when the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus came up, I can just hear him say, oh, yeah, hey, I know him. Oh, yeah, we were partners. We're a team. Yeah, I, I got him on my speed dial. I got him in my cell phone. We're, we're, we're deeply connected still. He used me to touch others. I want you to know if you will sacrifice, if you will surrender, To Jesus, He will use you to impact your world, your family, your community, your, your, your kids' school, your relationship, your world. What little you might have, God can stretch what you will surrender to Him. And I want you to know this too. I wrote this down that your faithfulness will inspire faith in others, your sacrifice will inspire others to sacrifice, just like this little boy's surrender and sacrifice and offering. It's inspiring me. And guess what? God already has in mind what he's going to do to impact the world through you. Your job is to figure out what he's doing in your life and wants to do through your life. And then get aligned with it. Listen and then respond. And that leads to my third point third reflection God will do the heavy lifting if you and I will do the humble responding God will do the heavy lifting if you and I will do the humble responding verse 12 of John 6 when they had all had enough to eat he said to his disciples go gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over. Jesus told them what to do. And they did it. They responded. They said, yes, go gather the broken pieces, the leftovers. I don't want to do that. That takes humility. What? I, you want me to go deal with the leftovers? You want me to go collect the broken pieces? That's like the... Yeah. Jesus says, yeah. I want you to get involved with the broken. I want you to get involved with the leftovers. Those that feel left like a leftover in this world. There are people that need to be lifted up that are feeling like a leftover. There are people that are feeling like their life is broken into pieces. And Jesus is calling our church, Ocean Hills, to to do that humble work of responding to where he's inviting us to get involved. Go pick up the broken pieces, the leftovers. That takes humility. But that's where God's calling us. That's where God is working. The humble work of God. The humble work of God in my life and in your life is God calling us to partner with Him to lift up those that feel left. And that's why, I'll just say it, that's why we are living beyond ourselves as a church. That's why we run for clean water in the DR Congo. We run the marathons. We do the, the 6K walk for water. Why? Not for ourselves, because we're helping hurting people suffering people the broken pieces the people that feel like leftovers in this world and that's why we go and we read and we mentor kids at Franklin Elementary School. So let's keep doing that as the next school year starts. Let's enter the LA Marathon race. Let's go and volunteer at Franklin and read and mentor and tutor. And that's why this summer there's an opportunity. We're making lunches for underserved kids on the west side who are in this leadership program uh, that's put on by our partners at the Turner Foundation. You can get involved in, in lifting up those kids that feel like leftovers in this world, that are broken. This church is commissioned by Jesus to do that. And so I'm going to close, and I'm going I'm to close with this thought. I believe in this sermon series, message series on invitations, that today Jesus Christ is inviting every one of us to become that little boy. He's inviting you to become that little boy in the story. So don't be the one who hears all the stories, who hears about how God's doing great things over there at that church, how God's doing great things through that person who sacrificed and stepped up. Don't be the person who hears the stories. Why not you let God write that story through you at such a time as this at Ocean Hills? Why don't you be the one who Steps up and sacrifices. You're invited to put what you have, just like the little boy did. Put it in God's hands. Here, Jesus, take it. We're a team. Here, Jesus, take it. We're partners. Here, Jesus, take it. We're in it together. I'm with you, Lord. You can trust me. You've given me this lunch, I'm giving it back to you. And so, I hope and I pray that you will trust God to write a bigger and better story in your legacy of doing something that will help change the world, and in the process, it will change you. Amen? Amen. And so I just want to be clear as uh, how do you give? When should I give? I have people saying, I thought you were going to ask us to give. We are going to do a campaign. But if you are in a place in your life where you are positioned right now to write a check, to make a donation, there's, there's you're, you're in a place where there's kind of a, uh, I got money that's accessible and I can do it. We are closing escrow now and we're gonna be putting a down payment. The more we can put down now, the lower our monthly mortgage payment. Those of you that are thinking about, well, I don't know when to give, the time is right now. I am meeting with people and uh, I'm asking people and if I haven't talked to you and you wanna to talk to me, call me, I'd love to come and talk to you. And uh, to have you sacrifice and surrender just like we are. I'm, my wife and I just had a conversation this week. I said, I can't talk about this if I'm not living it. That you and I as, as, as leaders, honey, of this church, we have to lead by example. And so we are sacrificing in a big way for us. And I hope that, that you will join us and there's so many ways and you'll hear about them later of creative ways that you can make sacrifices to give and i'll just go on record and say it over the next year every wedding that i get it's going to the building fund at ocean hills and god i don't know how he's going to provide but i got a whole bunch of weddings coming up and it all goes to the building fund and he may give me more i don't know but i'm just saying lord i'm trusting you And I hope that you'll figure out a way to say, God, I'm trusting you. It might be you have an ADU. You might have a rental unit or a house you rent. And maybe you go, hey, I'm going to give that. Maybe it may... I don't know what it is, but we'll talk more about it. Let me pray. Father, right here, right now. Take what... I've said, and breathe life into it and into our lives. I pray that it would bear fruit. I pray that right now you'd be stirring and nudging the Phillips and the Andrews who are cynical and resistant and defensive and and maybe in a place of of just slowly adopting into this idea of, of helping Ocean Hills have a home. Lord, I pray that you'd put it in our hearts to make sacrifices to help our church family have a home and that uh, you will be glorified and that you will take what we give to you and you'll stretch it and you'll multiply it and you'll make it bigger in your hands we believe that that's what you're the miracle worker i'm not and so we trust the miracle worker now in jesus name amen god bless you thanks for listening before you re-enter your day we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what god has put on your heart through this message Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.